So I'm Julie uh, Sigles, I'm a career professional engineer, finishing the MST in sustainability leadership at Cambridge University and interested in any project that creates social or environmental impact from a systemic point of view. The Keen Entrepreneurs of Cambridge with your host, Robert Firebreath. Today, we have a special guest. Julie, can you give us a quick overview of yourself and your entrepreneurial journey? Thank you very much, Robert. So I'm Julie and I'm doing the Master's in Sustainability Leadership at Cambridge University. I worked for over 10 years as an engineer, managing innovative projects for different industries. And around three years ago, I decided to make a shift by moving to Cambridge to understand better what are the different global challenges that our society and planet are facing. Currently working as a researcher for the Trade Hub Global Initiative led by UNEP WCMC, aiming to make global trade of agriculture commodities more sustainable for people and the planet. And in terms of entrepreneurship, my first experience as an entrepreneur was in 2006. And since then, based on the learnings and uh, different experiences and, and the initiatives I have been involved in, I have never lost the passion for entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. What did you do in 2006, if I'm Yeah, so just right after finishing my first degree in telecommunications engineering, um, I decided to take advantage of the fact that a new regulation was approved and it made mandatory to include sustainable uh, um, solar thermal energy systems in any new building constructed in Europe. I decided to go for it because I was already trained by myself in solar energy. I was one of the first at that time uh, in my country designing and managing this kind of projects for the construction sector. Even I was subcontracted by senior engineers who didn't have the knowledge at the time. And it was a great experience. I mean, I, I had good revenue. Um, I had the possibility to work on dozens of, of projects. I even was offered by professional associations to teach other engineers and architects in the field for them to being able to develop those, those new projects. It was a great experience from a professional and economic perspective, right? But then there's something there that you need to think about when you want to be an entrepreneur. That it's not only about being very good from a technical perspective, but you also need to learn a lot about emotional intelligence to deal with very difficult contexts and situations. For example, in my case, I, I went through the, the big economic crisis in 2008, so the construction sector collapsed. Was that in Spain? Yes, yes, but I so, think um, it happened in, in many Spain, countries. Yeah, but in Spain, uh, it was just on another level. All these half-finished yeah. buildings, free and abandoned, and actually mm-hmm. people, people losing their homes, moving in those abandoned buildings. And, exactly. And, and the government having to deal with all of that. So mm-hmm. you experienced that firsthand. How, how was that on a professional level and also on a personal level? 
Yeah, it was very hard. I was quite I was quite young when that happened. I was just 26 years old and I think I wasn't that prepared to deal with many situations. So for example, I knew about uh, some builders or professionals in the sector they were even got suicide. So uh, and then wow. of course yeah, this is very hard. And then also I had one of my best customers had a considerable and significant debt with me. And then the, the situation wasn't hard uh, specifically in terms of the economic uh, consequences of that, okay? I was freelance entrepreneur, I had my structure, but I didn't have the big structure that I needed to, to maintain economically. And of course, my revenues were going to go down. Mm-hmm. I was going to have this debt. But it was more the emotional part of dealing with all these difficult conversations and situations and also accepting the fact that the system sometimes is built in a way that will protect the economic interests of some institutions and not always the small entrepreneurs. So I think there I, I, I identified that I was quite good and well prepared from a technical perspective but there were other kinds of skills I needed to develop. Mm. To so, so your learnings from the last financial crisis, what have they taught you that can be useful for us now during the corona pandemic? On the one hand, something that I already knew that uh, in my view, any venture, any new entrepreneurship initiative needs to be designed in a way that you need to be aware that it won't be forever. Any business model needs to be always adapted or reinvented to the new context. I would always start any venture by thinking, okay, I'm designing this business model now to solve this problem or market needs, societal needs, environment uh, needs, okay? I always think that any new business model needs to be designed in order to to help overcoming one social and environmental uh, challenge. And then be prepared to challenge this business model in two year times or a time or, or even shorter because the context won't be the same as it is now when you are designing this business model and uh, testing it and pivoting uh, this MVP that you might have. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you more about your current research you're doing. You said uh, about sustainability of global supply chains, significant challenges. What are these challenges in this sector that you're working with? There are huge challenges. You can imagine the demand of agricultural commodities on the one hand is raising constantly. The big importers of uh, agricultural commodities, which are developing countries, very big developing countries, are in a way concentrating uh, the volume of these agricultural commodities in terms of demand. So there are there are very different forces that are playing. One of the main challenges there is being able to protect the natural resources. On the one hand, the production and sustainability of these agricultural commodities depend on healthy ecosystems. But on the other hand, the overproduction is putting at risk 
the rainforest such as for example the amazons okay so this is a, a huge problem that it's not only about biodiversity it's also about climate change so the amount of hectares millions of hectares that are being deforested nowadays for cattle soy production or other agricultural commodities is is so big and it's happening such at a pace that it's affecting the rainfall rates which then it provokes uh, droughts desertification and then this puts in in risk in turn the sustainability of these big uh, agricultural commodities it's a cycle that is very difficult to stop if we don't change this global trade system um, mm -hmm. at very different levels because there are a lot of actors involved. So you have the producers, the crushers, the, the, the ones that are middlemen, then the big traders, big international traders, the retailers, and then industries packing, creating uh, products, right? The problem here is who is going to take the responsibility to invest and incentivize more sustainable practices. And I'm talking about environment now, but of course there are also a lot of social challenges in terms of agricultural commodities production that needs attention. I see. So as an entrepreneur, where do you see opportunities? And is there something you're looking into specifically, something you're very excited about, or even something where you're thinking, oh, this would be my next startup? Yes, that's a very good question, Robert. Uh, who knows? Uh, probably something related with restoration of ecosystems as a nature-based solution to combat climate change. And this doesn't mean only planting trees, but also innovating in terms of access to water for irrigation. Because, uh, of course, at the end, a restoring ecosystem is not just about going there and at the short term, putting in place some measures, some mechanisms, and then I disappear and everything will be okay. We have a problem there that is the shortages in terms of water, access to water in many regions. I have been thinking uh, a lot in the last months about cost-effective solutions to desalinate water with uh, solar energy. Of course, we already have solutions to desalinate water, but they are very energy intensive and very expensive. Being an expert in solar thermal energy, knowing how these systems work, and I would say that it's not a super complex theory behind how the solar thermal energy works. So it should be able to design and put in place very cost-effective systems to desalinate seawater. It is very, very needed all around the world. We have a problem in terms of access to water. There will be water shortages everywhere. And also we need to control the, the, the level of, of seawater. Of course, we are not going to reduce the sea levels just by desalinating water, but a solution not only to have drinking water, but I'm thinking about irrigating new planted forests and irrigating agriculture and crops in regions where it won't be possible to continue with their business as usual in a very short period now because 
the deserts are advancing and the droughts are increasing everywhere. This is not related with my last research, but last year I was doing research in terms of sustainable energy in refugee camps. So unfortunately, this forced displacement is something that is affecting millions of people around the world. And unfortunately, it is expected that these um, numbers are going to grow very fast in the near futures. There's a need there to offer sustainable energy solutions for refugee camps and models that will empower them to their own economic activities in these refugee camps while they are there. For this reason, it's very important to have access to renewable energies. So yeah. To make yeah, renewable energy, clean water, that's just two things you can combine to make a major economic impact on a lot of economies that are still based on agriculture. With this one technology, you see, you already identified two different markets, one of them refugee camps, where we see millions of people are on the run from one or the other threat. And this is a trend, as you said, unfortunately increasing the century. And these are opportunities we entrepreneurs need to realize. And we need to see that more clearly and take it seriously as these are actual economic needs. This is not someone making up a product, making the next same product, the next iPhone, just a little bit better to drive consumers. Mm -hmm. But this is an actual need and is a trend. And you know, this, this will be there in 20, 50 years when you come up with that efficient solar desalination solution that would have a huge application for drinking water, but also irrigation, something where there isn't a market for this already. But at the same time, these complex problems, as you said, many stakeholders, it's not just you mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur going out, selling your product and the problem is solved, but you need to have this complex system understanding. And this is where your background is so beneficial. It would be very hard to tackle that as someone who's just invented this device or as someone who's just one player in the whole supply chain. What is the next thing you're looking for in order to be able to progress on this project? And how do you think you can turn this project into something hugely beneficial for the world? At the moment, uh, it's just an idea I'm very passionate about. And I have been doing some research on my free time, you know, how entrepreneurship is. You always need to look for time to look at this. The thing is, there are already initiatives trying to do that. The, the question there is, what is it happening that they haven't been able to scalate that yet? So is it a cost issue? Is it an awareness issue? Is it a regulation issue? Because for you to go, being able to use a piece of uh, land right next to the sea and extract water from the sea is not that easy. I mean, there are many countries where the regulation doesn't allow you to buy a plot right next to the sea. The, the use of this seawater is regulated. As many other initiatives and innovative initiatives that are alternatives to some commodities that are already ruling the, the system in, in developed countries, you need to end up going abroad and in, in other countries where there's a little bit more freedom to try really innovative solutions that are not within the regulation boundaries. 
Mm, the challenge will be to really design a very cost-effective solution because when we are talking, for example, about drinking water, there's a business model there. People is already paying for water. The cost of desalinating water with the current classical technologies is not that payable from a water, uh, domestic consumption perspective. But if we are talking about irrigating crops or, for example, irrigating a newly planted forest, who is going to pay for that? Who is willing to pay for water which proposes only to, to guarantee the, the mm-hmm. good growth of a newly planted forest? So we're talking so, about funding models, new ways of financing things that do not have a direct payoff for a certain group of people that you could just approach and ask for money. But this is a more complex societal problem. And this is only one of many issues that sustainability is facing in the 21st century. Really the complexity of these systems where a single stakeholder cannot act very easily. It's been very insightful, Julie. Do you have one more thing to add to that and something you want to shout out to our listeners and the keen entrepreneurs out there in Cambridge and also in the rest of the world? What would that be? I really believe that any new venture should cover a social or an environmental need. There is a wide range of opportunities for new social ventures aiming to create shared value, no? which is the creation of social and environment positive impact as well as economic revenue. I see this as a middle point between NGOs and traditional EBITDA-focused companies. It's very important to create new business models which are solving pressing challenges while being economically self-sufficient to ensure the sustainability and long-term impact of it, the, the activity. So in some organizations that they rely in short-term funding, there's a project that is put in place there, everything works fine, but then once you disappear from that location or from being focused on that issue, impacts are at risk. So you yeah. need to, to build economically self-sufficient business plans to solve social and environmental issues with a long-term perspective. We need to ensure the long-term durability of these initiatives. Amazing. Yes. Thank, thank you very much, Julie. Robert, thank you very much. Yeah, and thank you to the listeners out there. This was the Keen Entrepreneur Podcast with Julie Siegels. And next week, we are delighted to welcome Lorenzo Lavolpe von Temeshwar, successful serial entrepreneur. Thank you very much from Cambridge, and I'll see you guys next week. You are listening to the Keen Entrepreneurs of Cambridge, where we use passion to make dreams reality. Join in our live podcast in the audience to ask questions and comment. That was it from Cambridge. And until next time, use your passion to make dreams reality.